Hello, Richard. Welcome to the Awareness in Motion podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I hear it's a lucky day over there. We're going to have a lucky day. Why is that? Well, we I live in the desert in in Arizona and uh, in Scottsdale, and it's rainy. So whenever it rains here, we're we feel lucky. We feel good. Yeah, happy about that. I'm actually in Adelaide, South Australia, and we're one of the driest states in the world with a lot of desert as well. But lucky for Adelaide, where I am, it's not so deserty. Ah, well, good. Well, yeah. I mean, if I showed you, I mean, there's palm trees around. And everything, but but we like it when it rains. So a little like oasis, <laughs> oasis yeah. for you. <laughs> a little oasis, yeah, yeah, very much so. Fantastic. So we're here today to chat with you about your journey, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Of how you came to be a Feldenkrais practitioner and what you're doing with the, the method, where you're mm-hmm. taking it, some place mm-hmm. new, and. So where did it all begin for you? What what was your impetus to to, to begin? <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, the universe kind of shoved me that way. It didn't really give me much choice. Um, and my daughter uh, has a genetic disease. My oldest daughter has a genetic disease called spinal muscular atrophy. And uh, uh, two people that I knew, one was a massage therapist, Ralfer, and then the other was a um, um, counselor um, both they didn't know each other both mentioned Feldenkrais uh, within two weeks of each other and told me I had to um, investigate it so I did and I uh, and um, Anat Danielle was the first practitioner and I owe a lot to her uh, her influence uh, still with me in my work and the way I think about things and and to my family too I mean very much so so that's how I started so it wasn't really for you, it was for your daughter to begin with. Well, very much so. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't for me at all. I mean, my wife would pick up the kids and we would. she would fly out from Chicago to San Francisco uh, three or four times a year to stay out there. And, and my uh, daughter would get um, the lessons from a knot. Um, or Russell Delman, uh, both of them a lot. And uh, um, I traded uh, commodity futures at the Chicago Board of Trade, which is a a place of high stress. And if you ever see New York Stock Exchange, people jumping up and down and yelling and screaming, throwing their arms all over. Uh, That's what I did for uh, 13, 14 years. Um, And, it it, it, it it has its uh, really good po- points and, and not such good points. Bad points are very stressful and I would get migraine headaches all the time. And um, um, uh, I went out to do, a, when my daughter was out to seeing Anat, I went out there and she was uh, getting lessons and Anat did the workshop and I did the workshop along with her. And I really loved it. And and she said, well, if you really want to know about this and you have starting a training, you have to start do the training and um, um, and you can do two weeks at a time. You don't have to leave your work and so forth and so on. So I did the 
first two weeks and um it was uh life-changing um i got a lesson from carl ginsburg who was now passed away but wonderful practitioner wonderful man and and uh, just blew my socks off and uh, um and so what training was that did you do uh that was uh santa rosa uh, 1990 to 94. 1990 to 94. So yeah. a few years. <laughs> a few years ago. I've been doing this work. I've been around this work. I, I like to say I've been around this work since 1988 because really that's when uh, my daughter started getting lessons and I would watch. And I think I learned a, a tremendous amount by watching, uh, especially not, but not Ann Russell work. Um, and they did some fabulous work uh, with my daughter, Ann. And I would end up, my hands would end up in a certain way. And I would say, oh, that, how did I get there? And it was like, oh, I remember seeing that with a knot, right? Or oh, Russell did that or thought of that or. So, so they had a big influence. And so I like to say that my training really started in 1988, lasted six years instead of four. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So kind of what you were seeing with Annette and your daughter was, was going into you and coming out through your hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. My daughter got a lot better. I mean, uh, I should, I should mention that she's, and uh, um, she's 37 now, um, oh. uh, married and a mother of two. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so she really, she got better. And, um, and I wasn't happy doing what I was doing, so I changed. Yeah. So you actually left your career to, to do Feldenkrais full time? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I didn't know it that at the time. I didn't have it like planned out, like I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, I had um, saved some money up and I had some partnerships that I, I was in and some investments that I was in. And, and I didn't have to worry about paying the bills every month. So I was for for during the training. I just did the training and didn't do much of anything else except be with my kids. And my my wife is a was a flight attendant, so um, she would go off and fly, and I would be with the kids. So I, you know, so it was a great. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I missed that time. It was a yeah. very special time. I really um, sounds amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Really, yeah. Life does have a way of, you know, even if you have plans, yeah. <laughs> don't, sometimes they don't go according to plan. It's if, like, sure. Yes, if you would have told me when I was in college studying to be a, an accountant that I was going to turn out to do this for 35 minutes, I would have said, oh, you, what have you been smoking? Because that ain't happening, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I would have never guessed it in a million years. Never. Yeah. Never, never. Yeah. So funny. We kind of fall into some things, don't we? Just we do. We do. Yeah. Or get pushed. It's like here you yeah. go. 
Have at it. Like, okay. So I I actually, I actually just, when I started, you know, one of the things they told us during the training is after two years, start working with people. So I would just have all these people come into my office and they charge anything. But for two years, I just worked with 30 people a week, just didn't charge anything and, 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 and just started learning and uh, started getting better and started investigating. Well, what am I doing here? How come this? How come that? And then I said, well, maybe I can make a living. So, so you went, so after the training, you established your practice uh, where you live now or were you mm-hmm. living somewhere else? Yeah. No, right here. Um, right here. Uh, I built a uh, an office in the back of my my lot. So I live in on about an acre, and uh, I built a freestanding studio. And people don't have to come in my home; they just walk to the outside of the house, and they they come into the sliding glass doors. And, uh, I have a table and chairs outside because it's usually sunny in Arizona. And and uh, if they need to wait, they just wait there, and then they come in. And so that I just hung hung out the shingle. That's what nice. I did. Yeah. yeah, and so you also became assistant trainer and train. You're not a trainer yet, though, are you? No, no, I'm not a trainer. I'm an assistant trainer. I've worked all over the world um, uh, as an assistant, uh, doing my own workshops. Um, one of the things that that because of my background of being athletic and and being in a competitive atmosphere um i'm very comfortable working with elite athletes and so I, i've been kind of drawn that way a little bit um and i also love working with children because i've been a parent on the other side and um i understand what they're going through i've always there i i, I can empathize with that um, you know, what is this stuff? How's it going to work? What, you know, what's really happening? So, so I had a kind of an idea after the training where I wanted to go. Um, but opening up your shingle, you know, you know, hanging out your shingle, anybody wanted to come in is willing to pay me. I was willing to work with them. I mean, almost. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I did it. I mean, and, and, and I really got quite lucky because my my youngest daughter um was a really so she was a baseball player growing up i was a baseball player growing up and and she uh was very good and she played with the boys in the in the leagues with the boys yeah and uh she was on the all-star teams of the boys all-star teams right she was the only girl that was doing that um, and so in the Arizona and Scottsdale, there's a lot of pro ball players and, that retired and stuff. And her, one of her coaches in the camps, his, uh, his son had a bad back and, uh, and it was hurting. And he was the starting shortstop for Arizona State University, which is a big baseball university. And I said to the coach, I said, just send him into my office. You know, I'd love to work with him. And, um, and that's really my first, my first break working with an elite athlete, um, that he was a shortstop. He was very good, highly recruited. 
and his back was killing him. And then he worked with me and his back felt better. He told his head coach, and then it took many times me calling that head coach to get him in here. There's stories about that I can go on and on. But that's, that was the, really the first time I started working with elite mm -hmm. athletes. And then that just grew. The importance of follow-up. <laughs> yeah, many follow-ups. Many, many, many. If you, if, you, if you don't like hearing the word no thank you, the words no thank you, that, that you might pause for a second because you're going to hear that, especially in our work. Especially in our oh, work. especially, yes. But yeah. to crack into the elite athletes, that's, that was great. And yeah. So since then, worked with like what name a few of the professional well you don't have to name them but what right. sort of field working with not just baseball um yeah uh baseball football basketball um hockey golf a lot of golfers um and yeah those are you know all that. One of the great things that happened because I did get into the Arizona State University baseball team for I worked with them for eight years was that I also worked with the Arizona State University basketball team um, and then the football team. So I worked with this is a big university and, and their athletics are a big part of what happens. And they turned that that over to me. So that shows a lot of trust. And I didn't take that lightly. I mean that was they paid me well, but 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 they were giving me a lot of a lot of trust. So I was trying to do it the right way. Amazing, amazing. My son would like to hear about that. He's a he's a budding basketballer. It's very oh, good. Yeah. yeah. We can talk more about that anytime. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have shown him a few things and uh one of his uh basketball mates. The mum does Feldenkrais, and she told the basketball mate, oh, Alex has done some basketball, uh, some Feldenkrais, and the mate said, that makes sense. He's floats across the court. So oh, for a 14-year-old, for a 14-year-old, that's like, yeah. Maybe I can crack down here. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would tell you a little bit about how you can make a big difference real fast. But but working with working with family can be, to say the least, challenging. So I can go on yes. and on. I'm sure all the people that might listen to that. I have a wonderful friend who's a dermatologist, and he's in my head all the time about sunscreen and everything. And I said to him about giving lessons to my family, and they're laughing that they don't want to listen to me that much. And he starts laughing. He says, well, you think they listen to me about skincare? They don't listen to me about skincare. So family is like, I'm not gonna, what does he know? Like, uh, what does she know? Forget about it. Yeah. Oh, no, my son actually likes doing the lessons. And, and uh, when I say, do you want me to put my hands on? Yeah, yeah. He's always jumping for it. So There you go. Wonderful. There you go, Mom. There you go. Yeah. I must be doing something right there. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you're doing more than one thing right. Thank you. Thank you. And so from working with the university, there's something else that happened that sent you on a new path mm. down the tensegrity path. Do you want right. to share with the listeners? How yeah. That yeah. Hang on, let me. 
Yeah, yeah. Here's my little toy that I like to oh, to yeah. bring out here, so everybody can see that. This is just a simple um, model of a yeah. child's toy, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I was, you know, I don't know, I was many years into my practice, uh, and I was delving into AY Alexander and I. And enjoying it. I mean, I, I I enjoy lying down by myself and figuring it out. I I I'm not a interaction. It's just that that's where I I feel most comfortable. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know how long ago um, in New York there was a uh, Feldman uh, Feldman Guild of, of, of North America FGNA had a um, conference and there was an uh, an orthopedic doctor named Stephen Levin, and he gave a uh, presentation about this thing called tensegrity. Um, and, and maybe I should back up. Um, I was I could I I got results working with people. I got results working with myself. But if you read a why or you listen to Moshe talk, he'll say, feel this or feel that, or did you notice this or did you notice that? And a lot of times I didn't. I was like, I don't know. I don't, it's not what I felt. It's not my experience. And I would just kind of leave that to the side or put it in my back pocket. Um, because, like, it's my experience, so it's Father Christ, so your experience is your experience, and, and, and that's fine. Um, then this Stephen Levin comes by, this orthopedic doctor, and he talks about tensegrity. So tensegrity is a, is a, a way of describing how we move through space using compression and tension, especially through the fascia. But not only through the fascia, but I like using that as the example, and and how that absorbs gravity, and how everything is interrelated. So you know, here's the thing: you you move this in inward, well, that affects something down here. You pull it this way, then it affects something down here. Everything ha is interrelated. Um, Everything affects everything. And the lessons from AY are a way to create constraints to feel certain parts of yourself moving in a certain way. There's a story behind an AY. But I didn't always get the story. This guy comes along and says, well, this idea of compression and tension really relates to how you take weight and how you move through space. And if you feel that, that's what we call tensegrity. And I said, wow, that, that, I, I that something clicked for me. Something made sense to me about that, about everything relating to something else. And how does that relate to me? So I loved it. And all, all the details that he went on and 
all these things of how people call up bone on bone, but it really isn't and so forth and so on. So I weighed in and after the presentation, I with a lot of people there and I, I weighed in and we you know, finally got my turn and I said to them, I loved your presentation. How do I have personal experience of tensegrity? Because that's what makes a difference to me. That, you know, uh, if, if I sense it, if I have a health sense of tensegrity, then I feel like I can talk from a place of more knowledge. But if I don't, I'm a little stuck. The sad part was that he didn't know how to give me that information. And I was like, I was really disappointed. Da 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 da. Kind of goes by, and conference is over, and and fast forward many years later, I'm still doing AY lessons all the time in my office. Fast forward, COVID hits, and I have all this time. Um, and there's a workshop that was called fascial, fascial stretching. Well, I'm not a big fan of the word stretching for lots of different reasons, but I was very interested in the fascia idea because I remember something about tensegrity and what he said, and I, don't, I got time. Let's just get curious. So I did it. And and it was over two weeks, and it was these opposing act, opposing actions, forces through different planes of, of movement. Um, and I learned a lot, not so much about what the lovely person doing, um, but 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 different planes of action and creating different forces in opposition of one another. And I said, I wonder if I can take that idea and go back to AY. So that's what I did. So I took the idea of opposing forces, movements creating oppositional forces in the same plane of action and creating what I call an area of interest. So they come together, create an area of interest where they they meet together. And then doing the AY and paying attention to how that area of interest moves through me, through different planes of action while doing the AY. And it was like, boom. It was amazing. It's like, oh, I can feel this. I can feel that. That's much more accurate to me than feeling the floor. It's an internal sense much more than an external sense. It doesn't mean the floor goes away. It's still there and still use it. But there is an internal sense of me being able to follow the movement much more accurately as I created this, what I call an area of, of, of interjection. And um, I started using it with clients and just started mucking about, you could say, as much as they would say. But they said, yeah, I, I can really follow that. 
I really feel that. I really noticed that difference. And then all of a sudden I said, I started doing, so uh, I'm at, uh, I've gone through just about all the AY lessons. And there are probably a hundred that really fit this mold. And every, not, I guess not everybody, but the, the response I have gotten has been tremendous. That people really enjoy the accuracy of doing it that way. And I should say, when I would, before that, when I would give lessons, people would say, oh, my God, it's like magic. It just, oh, my God, it's like unbelievable. How did that happen? And I would try to explain it to them, and they didn't really get it because they didn't really follow it. I think for a while that's fun. Oh, it's magic. We laugh and so forth, and it's great. But I think pulling back the curtains and under taking away the mysteriousness of how the method works is really important for you to be able to explain and for the clients to be able to feel, your students to be able to feel what just happened and how did it happen. And um, that was, uh, and it, the last three and a half years has been kind of what I've been doing and I really like it. fascinating um i did hear once that moshe would say it's his his legacy would be able to move forward not from his students but his third and fourth and fifth generation so i'm fascinated by what you're doing with this tensegrity model and really um dispelling this mystery like you were saying you know so many people think oh it's magic it's mystery but if we can explain it and give them that solid sense of how it works i think that's the next evolution for our yeah. practice i totally agree with that and i think it's really important I mean, how many times do people come in to see a practitioner who have been so external and you're asking them to go inside. Now, for a lot of people, that's not hard. But for a lot of people, that's really hard. And if they don't have a way to have a, a felt sense of an internal experience, that makes it much harder as a practitioner to explain why the work works. And I think this helps it. It's not, this, I want to be real clear, this isn't the only way. But for me, this is a very helpful way, especially at the beginning, but not only at the beginning, to, to help people feel themselves much more clearly. And if they do, then they understand the work. Yeah, absolutely. It isn't the only way, but for some, it's, it's a way to connect into the work. For others, very they nice. might with another way. It's totally, right. you know, it's up to the... We work with humans. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. all individual. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Yes, very much so. So that's how I started it. And, and it's an ongoing process. I mean, this is not like saying, okay, I have it figured out. I don't have it figured out. I continually am learning. 
and getting clearer and understanding more. So, yeah, that's I, 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 I'm I'm enjoying the process that I'm in, and I've been teaching that now uh, a lot in Germany, uh, in Austria, um, a lot in Japan, um, a little bit in Indonesia, and some in Australia. So, oh, so when are you coming here? I was about to ask. <laughs> ah. I would I would love to come to Australia and do that. Uh, um, it doesn't cost me. My wife was a flight attendant, so it doesn't cost me a lot of money to fly. So, right. uh, so uh, yeah, and, and uh, I want to do that. Yeah, I'd love to come there. I'd love to do that. I'd you know, I one of the things I'd like to do is do in-person and Zoom at the same time, a hybrid um, kind of presentation. And the uh, um, future of, of of presentations should absolutely be a hybrid model. It just allows us to reach more people. Yeah, yeah. and for people who can't get there or uh, can't afford to leave their work or whatever it is, uh, or this is that's a way for them. Replace, you can't replace in person. In person, no, absolutely. no, not but, at all. Like you're saying, it's accessible for people that can't uh, travel to to experience the in-person. Yeah. And, and one yeah. of the nice things ab about the in-person thing is that the years of that I have spent prior to the tensegrity, refining my, my sensi sensitivity and my touch still comes through with that. It still happens. And that's that's really joyful that's it's like it works really well together so so where do you see yourself going with this uh pursuit <laughs> it, uh, um, it's so it's so nice to hear you because you're in the middle of it now of building right. something new exciting so what's the projection that you see currently of course um, you never know life is going to give you <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> isn't isn't that the truth um yes <laughs> what what i what i'm in the process of building and what i want to do is um i'm talking with some people in europe now about coming uh to europe and doing a week-long um uh, workshop where the, the, the Feldenkrais integrity merge um, and we work with them so you can do uh, ATM and FI that way. And then they're very complimentary. It's not hard to do. Um, and then in Japan, um, but I'm, I'm working with, um, so one of, the, uh, one of the things I guess I didn't mention, which is really interesting, one of the people I am working with um, is one of the amateur-wise, but but one of the top-rated uh, amateur tennis players in the world, who's also a neurologist, and uh, he loves the work, and he loves. And we talk about tensegrity and Feldenkrais method and neurology and the nervous system and how they go together, and he really loves it. So it's my hope, and I'm kind of prodding him, but we'll see if that happens. Uh, that I would like also to go to, besides the European that I'm working on now, um, 
uh, to, to go to Germany um, and, and do that uh, there also. It's all in the follow-up, Richard. It's all in the follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so everyone must know. Richard has it in his mind, then <laughs> you, yes. you yeah. I would I don't know if we have time. I would like to about that i would like to say one thing about follow-up and is that okay do we have seconds to do that okay so so the so the, the the arizona state university baseball coach i think i called him six or eight times and he said no every time i'm too busy i can't do this um and um I went down there, finally drove down there, and I said, let's just talk. So I, he says, well, come on down. Let's talk. So I got down there, and, and his name is Pat Murphy. Now, he's the, he is the bench coach, which is the second in command to the Milwaukee Brewers. So he's a pro coach now. And um, he, when we were talking, he said, okay, I'll tell you what, Rich. I'm a – uh, an old pitcher in the minor leagues and I had an injury and there is um, a pin in my shoulder and I cannot bring my left hand behind me to wash my hair. And I really want to do that. And I said, okay, I tell you what, Murph, here you go. Here you go I said, you come to my office. And if I can't help you do that, you'll never have to hear from me again. But if I can help you improve that, you're going to send your, your, your team to my class at ASU. Wow. That's a, <laughs> well, that's that's a really important. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Because if you're going to work with elite athletes, you have to put your toes on the line with them. They're taking a gamble with you. They're taking a risk with you. And they get people always trying to get in with them. So he said, deal. I usually get one shot. I said, okay. Now, you got to remember, I come from trading on the floor. So for me, this is a no-brainer. I, I had all the confidence in the world in me. So... He came, and within 15 minutes, his hand was behind his head. He said, oh, my God, how did that happen? I said, but you promised, and he held his bargain. He, he, the, 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 his student athletes were coming to my class all the time for eight years, so it was great, great. So 15 minutes. So anyone yeah, listening yeah. and you're unsure about this method, <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, trust you, you, re, re, reach out to Pat Murphy at the Milwaukee Brewers. He'll attest to that. <laughs> Do you have that on video? Do you have that video? I don't. I don't. Oh, I wow. Don't there you go. <laughs> I, don't have that. I don't think he would have allowed me to video him anyway. Um, uh, but but uh, but he, from then, he sent a lot of his – a lot of the major leaguers would, would come in. The guys that were playing – and guys who were retired came in to see me. So, um, fantastic. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good story. That's one to tell a lot. I mean, I love that story. Yeah. yeah well, a, the listeners, if you're a practitioner, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> don't be scared. Get out there. 
But we need we need more people in the major leagues in all industries. Yeah. 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 With all yeah. industries, not just elite athletes, but everybody that's got some skin in the game with all different industries. That will be that would help us a lot. Yeah. And you have to you have to have they have skin in the game, so you have to. It, they don't need you. I mean, yeah. they have everybody pulling at them, so you have to. You have to show up and be willing. You know, I mean, they understand. They know the difference. So, yeah, that, yeah. So, because if you could get like a Richard Branson on board, mate, <laughs> I'd love to work with Richard Branson. That would be yeah. Well, uh, you you've got the got you've got the chops to to. <laughs> following up with him <laughs> Not- yeah. i i worked with uh i had a chance to work with an uh somebody i won't mention his name who's in the nba and um uh who was working with a psychologist psychiatrist that i knew mm-hmm. um and um it was somebody that i turned down i didn't want to work with that person that's an unusual case. But so there are times, I want to say that to practitioners out there listening, there are times when you're going to have to make a choice what people say to you, maybe, you know, maybe it isn't for you. You know, this is work isn't for you because that's important for you to understand is especially younger practitioners, you know, um, Mm. different people have different agendas and, and, and to to really kind of honor and respect what you think is going on, it popped in my head, and I, and I was like, yeah, I don't even yeah, know. so true, so, so true. Yeah. We can't we can't work with everyone, and you know, no. the more practitioners say, oh, I want to work with everyone, I'm like, I don't want to work with everybody. No, some no. I do. You know, I don't want them no. in my world. No. I don't, yeah. and not only I don't want to, I. I can't. I, I. There are, there are people who don't. Moshe, I think, said that people want to change as long as they don't have to. Well, our work is about changing, and if you don't want to change, mm-hmm. it makes our yeah. work more difficult, mm-hmm. more challenging. It actually that brings to mind this idea of fixing, right? Because culturally, mm-hmm. people understand that you go to a practitioner to be fixed and yet yeah we don't fix so again that's they have to come to the party and put their toes on the line yes <laughs> want the change want to un- and understand that it's not us we're facilitating the environment for you to change but we're not fixing you so right i, I did mean, a whole nother once what in my very like my first year out of uh, out of uh, the training, I had this lovely person coming to see me. Loved my work. I had no idea. I mean, I, I, I kind of knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, she said, "Rich, my back is killing. Just, I know you like to do the work, but just fix it." And she was really nice, and she was a steady client, and I wanted to please her. And God, I want to help her, and try so try to fix her. She walked out in so much pain. I was like, I will never do that again. I have no <laughs> idea what I was doing. It turned out to be awful. It was an interesting moment. 
I'd never have done it again. It was Thanks. terrible. Uh, Maybe you should cut that. I don't know, but that was, that's a true story. Yeah. No, no, we'll keep that there. I love these stories. I could chat with you uh, all, all, mor- all morning, your afternoon, but uh, yeah. we're talking now. But yeah. you, um, before we wrap up, I'd like to say that, um, you know, I do run the Movement Online Academy, so anyone that wants to come in and experience more with of the Feldenkrais Method, somatics, and we'll get we'll be getting Richard in to be talking on our festival and some other other workshops, other things in the future. I'm not sure. We haven't really discussed what might what the future might look like. Who knows? Yeah, um, I'm excited to to work in, in that in that arena. I'm excited yeah. to be with you. Yeah, very much. So. Very much. So. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, thanks for listening. Is there any last words you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to do it poorly. To just continue to do it, and some things will make sense and some things won't. But if you continue, it, it eventually happens. And, and find, and, and tensegrity, I believe, is my handwriting. It's something that really resonates really well with me. It, that doesn't mean it has to resonate with you the same way, but continually look for what resonates with you so you find your own handwriting and, and you'll be a great practitioner. But also for people that are starting out that aren't practitioners, just continue and do it yes. poorly and keep yes. showing up. Because sometimes, um, before the call, you said your first lesson, you felt nothing. Nothing felt different. So I I think that a lot of people would have that experience. And so don't give up after one lesson. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Try different lessons. Try different teachers. Yeah. Keep on looking around and and trying. And, and, And... and just know that that the more the more you look, the more attention you bring, the more answers you get. Absolutely. Not my answers, your answers. Yeah, fantastic. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. I appreciate your time and 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 your effort very much. So very much. Uh, thank you. Yeah.